Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We've got some Geekscape coming at you right now. Gonna talk some E3 Wii U in Microsoft press conferences. I'm also gonna be talking to you guys about what I think of Batman with uh, The Dark Knight Rises coming out in about a month and a half. So let's strap in. Let's get our Geekscape pod going. Wow, 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 Geekscape. All right. So um, brand new Geekscape pod. I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's. Um, I'm probably not gonna do one tomorrow because I'll be to E3 all day, but Wednesday I'll give you guys the full wrap on what went down. Um, this is Jonathan. If this is your first Geekscape, hey, strap up. We're going to be giving you a little bit of news and reviews. The big event, of course, being E3. Nintendo has done their Sunday live streaming on their Facebook telling you all about the Wii U software, uh, like the system. Uh, I guess that's hardware. And they're going to be holding their games lineup uh, uh, until their press conference Tuesday morning. And I also sat through Microsoft press conference. I sat with my good friend, Justin Leeper, who I met when I was writing those wrestling games for THQ. Okay, so a couple things real quick. I got some great comments yesterday from people who enjoyed the news and reviews Geek Skate Pod. I want to keep doing them. I think they're awesome. Uh, I love communicating with you guys. And um, two of the comments I got, Zan, uh, who I think is crazy. I like Zan a lot, but I, I think he's crazy. Um, so so Zan wrote that um, that these Geekscape pods, should, these are Geekscape, like they, they should just be called Geekscape. Um, I think it's all Geekscape, Zan. Like honestly, like like I, I made a point not to call it Geekscape Show, uh, Geekscape and Friends. I made a point not to call it the Geekscape crew or whatever it is. I mean, in, in, in 2006, I said, oh, like here we have... And even like the name Geek Drum, when we were doing Geek Drum, I I said let's let's not make a show, let's make a brand, because uh, I think they can exist in different forms. So I think that these are Geekscape too, and I think the interview shows are Geekscape, and I think the forums are Geekscape, and I think the news stories are Geekscape. And when we started do, putting the brand on other projects, like if we do a movie, and it has the Geekscape, that's Geekscape. Like Geekscape is a pretty all-encompassing brand. Um, if it's genre and if it's like the celebration of genre, that's Geekscape. So yes, these are Geekscape episodes. That's why I didn't give them a new feed. And uh, I think they're just as Geekscape as the interviews. I love doing the interview portions. Uh, I am really interested in other people, and I love interviewing them. I love finding out about their stories and things like that. And now Dave, who's like the most badass, one of our most badass forum members. I love Dave. No one else would be get would get me to uh, sit through a um, Selena Gomez video, but Dave did. And Dave, I, th- I mean, Dave said I- I've only listened to one out of every five interview 
podcasts that we did for Geekscape, and they're going to keep coming. And I, I think that's a mistake, Dave. Honestly, if you ha- just listen to the Jamal Joseph episode, if that's not one of the best podcasts you've downloaded, I'll quit. Um, listen to the Chris Hardwick episode. If you aren't interested in Chris Hardwick, give it a shot, and I think you're going to gain some interest. Uh, a good buddy of mine, you guys know Sam. Um, Sam Weller listened to the American Pie. Uh, the American Reunion episode and said, I wasn't interested in the movie. Now I'm interested in it because, Jonathan, you just have a way of talking to creative people to to make it seem like it should resonate with me. And that's really what Geekscape should be, is like a celebration of the creative process, of genre, all the things we love. Movies, video games, comics, that all falls into it. Um, so it's all Geekscape. If it's on this feed, I'm not going to put it on this feed if I don't think you like it. So give it all a chance. Uh, it looks like you guys are missing a couple episodes you should go back and listen to. All right, let's get to it. Um, yesterday, Nintendo had their live streaming online press conference where they really talked about the Wii U hardware. I'm excited about it. There are a lot of people at E3 today who weren't excited about it. I'm excited about it because I'm still one of the big proponents of advancing gaming. And uh, the Wii, I thought, was revolutionary. And I think I guess Sony and Microsoft thought it was revolutionary, too, because they came out with Kinect and... Um, what's the one Sony came out with with the with the ice cream balls, um, the the move. I'm excited to see what Nintendo does with the form. They know that if they're not going to be making hardcore games or if they lost the hardcore audience, they've got to keep pushing the form in order to build gamers. They they weren't going to win going up against Sony and Microsoft for hardcore gamers. They they I mean the the, the GameCube had taken that from them. You know, they were behind in that race. They had to go after gamers who weren't gamers. People like uh, like my wife. People like your parents. People like uh, your neighbor's kids. They had to create new gamers. And I think that the convergence of casual gaming that you would get online on the web and uh, mobile gaming through your cell phone and your, and your iOS devices, uh, I mean, they saw that. In advance, and they they were geniuses to to jump on that. You can make fun of the uh, of the actual technology in the Wii all you want, but they created something revolutionary. And you know what? I'm walking around with my 3DS, and I think the 3DS. And you talk to people who know that the hardware in the 3DS is not as good as the hardware in a Vita. But people who have both, they would rather have the 3DS. It's a better system. More people have it. And I think they both have the same amount of games that would appeal to a hardcore audience. But Nintendo just does it right. They're online, yeah, they got to figure that out. Um, I was not excited. I mean, the controller, you can talk about how the, the pad, I like what they did to the pad. I like how, they, uh, how the enhancements that they made. The Wii U Pro controller that they came out with, yes, the criticism is it looks exactly like the Xbox controller. Who cares? Um, I love the Xbox controller. I, I think it, it, it works great. Um, I think it's the mix between the N64 and the Xbox controller. I'm excited to use it. Um, I really don't care if game companies start making systems that are almost the exact same. What I care about is that they're fun to use. Um, I play my PS3. If you're going to talk console, I play my PS3 more than anything. The next one I play is my Wii, which is, because it's probably the most drastically different than the PS3. And then my Xbox is collecting dust because it's been a while since Gears of War, and I've played Arkham on my PS3. Like it, it's just a technologically better system. So if I'm going to get a game that's for Xbox or, three, or, or PS3, I'm going to go with the PS3 version. 
if it's a social game like Gears, I'm going to go with Xbox. You can't beat them on a social level. There's just no beating Xbox. They've got the biggest... Uh, they've got the best online infrastructure as far as getting gamers to play together. The PS3, I don't, know, I don't have that many friends. The, three, the 3DS, I think that because they cater to such a younger audience, they're, um, they're like anti, you know, child predator stuff has just kind of tanked their online capabilities. That and the fact that the DLC, and we talked about yesterday, Harley's Revenge just not being that satisfying as DLC. It, you remember the argument with like Mass Effect 3 that you had this packaged in DLC and how that, that's a crime and how that should just be part of the game. You shouldn't have to charge extra for something that already came for the disc that you paid for. I agree with Nintendo in that they don't offer DLC for any of their games. After the fact, you bought the game, and that's the game that you get. The only places where I wish they would bend on that are in the instances of something like a Mario Kart. Who wouldn't spend an extra $10, $15 for additional tracks on Mario Kart? I think we all would. Uh, if you're a Mario Kart fan, you want to replay all the classic kart, uh, all the classic tracks. So... This new Wii U with the whole announcement about a Mii universe, Mii Galaxy, um, it allows you to communicate with your friends mid-game. At the same time, and I like the idea of like a Mii Plaza and this and that, and I like the fact that it's not home. I think the, the PlayStation Home is dead on arrival and has just never been able to resuscitate itself ever. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think that's really why people play video I, I don't know I mean maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask but uh, that video that they put out where that guy is playing that zombie game and he pauses it to get tips from his friends was probably one of the nerdiest lamest things I've ever seen and it was annoying uh, thanks for making me feel like that guy Nintendo you obviously forgot who your your base is when you went to casting because I mean somebody who's spazzing out over a fucking zombie game and then like reaching out to his mutant friends for, for advice mid game Dude, there's the internet. If we want to have me plazas so that we can have quickly accessible friends that we can ask for advice on a game, it's called the internet. It's called a wiki. Like, you don't, whatever, I don't want some annoying kid telling me how to beat the damn game. Like, I, forget it. I don't think that's the social component. I think if you're going to put a social component in a system, you're going to be doing something like a Skype or a chat. You're going to be using it like, um, you know, what would you want in your living room? How would you, who would you want to communicate with while you're in your living room? And the answer is you want to communicate with other family members and things like that as if they are in your living room. So at the Microsoft press conference today, we got about halfway through it before I turned to my buddy Justin Leeper and I said, there are no games. Like, they've only announced six games and everything was about taking the Xbox 360 and making it kind of the central hub of your living room. Uh, there were some things that I thought were exciting, a lot of stuff I didn't. What I thought was exciting in that respect was the Xbox Smart Glass, where you can take an iPad, or you can take an iPhone, or you can take these different iOS devices, and you can let it communicate with your Xbox. And the example I thought was really cool was, not only can you talk to your iOS device and have it communicate with your Xbox to bring up content, or find content through, uh, the, I guess, their, their new agreement with, um, with, with Bing, but what I thought was cool was as you're watching something like a Game of Thrones, and I don't think this is the the, the Game of Thrones DVD or Blu-ray. I think if if you're watching Game of Thrones on Xbox, 
your iOS device will act like a map of the world. So as you're watching Game of Thrones and things are happening concurrently with each character on the, you know, in, in the story, you get to see where each of those characters are on the map. So you can kind of inventorize what's going on in that big sweep, sweeping epic. I thought that was impressive. That was the Xbox Smart Glass. Um, it, it supposedly works with a ton of different devices, not necessarily Microsoft ones, not necessarily Xbox ones, but again, like your Apple devices. As far as the games go, the Microsoft conference started out with Halo 4. Uh, I thought it was cool. Um, not a huge fan of Halo, but I did play through Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3. Graham Douglas was a big part of that. He like kept adding me to do it. I think it's cool that, that you know you get like this Predator. Go look at the... Be- before I spoil this stuff, a lot of these trailers are up on the website. So go to geekscape.net and check them out. Um, the Forerunner weapon, that whole mystery where, you know, Master Chief is in the middle of the jungle and he gets attacked by these uh, kind of predator-ish monsters who, who can kind of stealthily go in and out of visibility. Uh, and he discovers that they're using Forerunner technology. I think that's cool. If you're a Halo fan, you're obviously losing your mind at this game. The trailer was really damn sharp and really damn cool. I thought everything about it looks phenomenal. They definitely do a great job of like nailing the drama, making you want to play the game. Um, the Xbox is the number one selling console worldwide, is what we learned in the introduction speech. No surprise. Um, I think it was just a matter of time before the Wii kind of slowed down. You know, it had that initial just prolification, a, a, a proliferation around the globe. I don't think prolification is a word, but it just proliferated around the globe. Everybody was into it because it was new and fresh. Now it's all about, uh, you know, what do these systems have? We each have all of them in our homes. What do they have? Xbox has the social aspect, and that's what's what's carried it into all these households. Um, Flinter Cell Blacklist I was kind of impressed by. It comes out in spring uh, 2013. I'm not big on the stealth games, and this one didn't feel like a lot of stealth games. It felt like an over-the-shoulder um uh black ops type game uh you were allowed to what was cool was was you could actually um put some like infrared through a campsite and see where all the enemies were and you could kind of tag them before you entered like a tent you could see that there were three people in the tent you could tag each of them uh not unlike red dead redemption when you're tagging people for like quick draws and then you burst into the tent and you grab one of them while shooting the other two because you've tagged them i thought that was really cool um, like the new Assassin's Creed, um, just like fluid kills, killing in motion as you're like running through a terrorist camp, just being able to fluidly kill people and, and not stop your movement or to have an interaction there. You're just like, you're, you're shooting them or you're, you're stabbing them and then you're immediately up on a wall and over it. I thought that was really cool. Um, the game seemed to move really fluidly. There's no doubt that online is going to be a complete bloodbath. They had Joe Montana come out and talk about Madden 13 and, and play through it. Uh, I just get excited when it's Joe Montana. I'm like, hey, there's Joe Montana. He's playing Madden 13. And uh, I think it's cool that there are these connect voice commands. I think for a sports game where you're playing a quarterback, it makes a lot of sense. Um, hopefully it works. I have never played a Madden game. The last football game I played was Mutant League football. I think we're all happy with that, and that was on the Genesis. Fable the Journey, this was a uh, first-person perspective game in the Fable universe. It literally looked like a f- uh, first-person perspective Skylanders game. It, 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 looked, it looked hokey. Um, I'm not going to be waving my fucking hands around in front of a TV trying to cast spells and shit. Honestly, um, when I think about sports games and when I think about soccer, like just, I mean, I hate to be the, the guy who says it, but just go out and play some sports, like make some friends. 
Um, by that token, they did announce like a big agree- uh, agreement with Nike to do this Nike Plus fitness software. It felt like Wii Fit for the Xbox, and I know we already have Wii Fit for the Xbox. Um, and this one, I guess, measures you pretty critically using this the, the Nike Plus system. And I like the idea of that. I, I mean, anything that prop- like prop- will will kind of promote fitness, I'm, I'm into. Um, but are you going to do that in your living room? That's what I don't get about fitness games. Look at your living room that you play your video games on. Like, whatever you play your video games in, do you have the room to be doing this shit? You're not playing it in a giant hay- like hangar that's been turned into a sports fitness facility. You're playing it in your living room. You've got a coffee table. You've got a couch or two. You know, you've got, you've got things set up. You've got to clear all this space just so that Nike can tell you you're fat. It doesn't make sense that you're going to be busting a sweat like this, you know. Um, again, I, I the appeal of fitness games. I mean, are the sales numbers really justifying their existence? Go outside where there's actually room and do your fitness there. Um, if you want a social aspect to it, go join a running group. <laughs> That's just me. I mean. I, I compete in like those Spartan races, like those five, ten k Spartan races with like a bunch of people, you know, running through mountains and mud and barbed wire and fire and shit. Like I love doing those things because there's a social component to it. I love running outdoors because there's a social component to it. I love playing basketball because there's a social component to it. You can't convince someone like me that you're going to get that same social result sitting in in your living room. I just don't think my living room's built like that. I would, I mean, you knee your fucking toe, you stub your toe just like, like walking to your couch in your living room and you're going to fucking turn it into a damn gym. It's not going to happen. You're going to end up going out the damn window. I do want to see that though. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, we we saw a trailer for their gears prequel. It's up on the website. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I obviously played through all the, all the gears games. They, we got their positives and negatives. Uh, the, ter- the Tomb Raider game didn't look like it had any tombs or any raiding in it. It did look phenomenal, but it looked like an Uncharted game. Uh, it was... In- I don't recall Tomb Raider being this bloody. It's intensely violent. And, again, I thought that the appeal of the Tomb Raider games was that this sense of exploration. and You're going into these ancient tombs un- unseen by man for millennia, and all of a sudden... You know, there's like a, a, you know, these traps that you have to overcome and there's all these different, you know, puzzles that you have to figure out. I didn't see one of those things in uh, the Tomb Raider trailer. It looked great, but all I saw was like a young Lara Croft just slaughtering people and it felt intensely violent. Um, After that, we got the South Park guys. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone came out to talk about the South Park game. They were not teleprompted. Everyone else was teleprompted. They came out, no teleprompter, and Trey Parker came out and said, have you ever wanted to play your Xbox on your iPhone, through a tablet, on your TV, while sitting in a fridge? Which really was poking fun at how much of this presentation was about iOS devices and tablets and anything but games. It was fucking hilarious. And Trey Parker then was like, well, that, this isn't that game. This is just a role-playing game set in the South Park universe. It looks like an episode of South Park. And we, the one thing Matt and I definitely wanted to have was the gamer as one of the South Park characters. So you customize your own character. You throw him into the South Park universe. 
And one of the challenges they said that they encountered when they were doing this game was they had to figure out where everything was in relation to each other. He said, you know, when we want Kyle to go to Stan's house, we just cut to Stan's house. Now in the game, we actually need the character to travel to Stan's house, and we had to figure out really what the map of South Park looked like. I'm such a huge South Park fan. Uh, I love Train Matt. I love Cannibal the Musical. I love Orgasmo. I love Team America. I'm, this was probably the game I was most excited about, and it was probably the one that was the most technically deficient. <laughs> it was probably the one that advanced games the least. Uh, there was this one uh, Angry Birds Looking Tower Assault game that just looked awful, and I forgot the name. Uh, it's for kids, so whatever. Um, this South Park game just looks hilarious. It has so much of the South Park uh, style in it. They wrote it. I'm into that. The last exciting thing that I think happened at the Microsoft press conference was Usher came out and performed part of Dance Central, you know, his song in Dance Central 3. Um, it's cool. You know, you get to go to a press conference where you see Usher, Joe Montana, and uh, in the Trey and Matt, I think that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm not an Usher fan. I, I still have that Selena Gomez song that fucking Dave got stuck in my head on the forums yes, this weekend. Um, and I love you, Dave. I love you like a love song, baby. Um, but I was impressed by the dance moves. Will I ever play a dance game ever? No. But uh, it's cool to just kind of see Usher perform because there's no doubt that he's talented. Um, as we were leaving, we got the Black Ops 2 trailer. Fucking global devastation, baby. It is just a big city on fire. Lots of... I mean, it's a first-person shooter. I could, I, I'm not that excited. Obviously, the Hey Bros are going to get way into this game and be like, fuck yeah, Hey Bro, I just fucking took you out. Fucking nerd. Like, it, it's not even the online aggression that keeps me from those games. I'm just not into it. I don't know. Um... Is it too intense for me? Fuck, I don't know. You got people eating each other's damn faces on the news. And now I'm going to, you know, you've got, you've got actual terrorism that is real. And you're going to be reading, you're going to be playing this game and fantasizing about it. During the, tra- during the trailer, there's a building that falls towards the player, like a giant building. It felt like downtown Vegas, and you have this giant building fall towards the player. And I'm like, holy shit, you know? I remember 9-11. I lived in, in New York during 9-11. That wasn't an, a first-person shooter. You know, that scared the shit out of me. And I was 125 blocks north of the, uh, of the, of the World Trade Centers. Um, that was a scary time. I mean, we had jets flying over our heads most of that day. I sharpened a, a fucking broom into a spear so I could go Wolverine on, on, in Red Dawn on some motherfuckers. Didn't happen, not true. Uh, but these games are just so intense. And I remember playing the first Modern Warfare. And I only got through halfway through the game before I'm like, you know what, like... I play games for fantasy, <laughs> and, and give me the South Park game, because, you know what I mean, play, give me the Batman game, you know, even GTA, I guess, like, I could go to South Central and live it, but I don't, I don't live in, you know, I don't live in, in, like, a gang territory, like, I can do GTA, and it still feels like fantasy, the, the, the warfare stuff is just, like, shit, man, I got non-flashbacks, and I didn't even experience it, um, that was the Microsoft press conference. No freebies. I've got a bracelet. They gave me a bracelet, but no freebies. Um, bit of a disappointment. And I only mean disappointment in terms of freebies. The actual presentation was top-notch. Like, Nintendo every year kind of has a more straightforward, boring presentation where it's just trailers and speakers, trailers and speakers. They Microsoft really puts the show into it. So that was impressive to see. That was kind of cool. All right. Um, E3 is going to continue. I'm going to have Nintendo, Sony tonight, 
to Nintendo's tomorrow and then a full day at E3, and I'll, I'll tell you guys all about it on Wednesday. But real quick, I want to tell you guys about a lecture that I was giving on Thursday to one of my film school classes. We, you know, we were talking about um, pacing and style in films, and what we, were, you know, what we were talking about production design. We were talking about basically basing your production design around the character of in your film or the message in your film, the psychological statement in your film. And again, I always go back to comics because they have the most clear. Uh, reasons, and we were talking about the uh, Spider-Man being about puberty and X-Men being about racism and and that sort of thing. And of course, we started talking about Batman, and people were like, "Well, what's Bat? What, what was what's Batman about?" And I was like, "Well, different Batman stories tell different things. I, I think the Dar the Dark Knight Rises is about social responsibility. You know, you've got anarchy represented by the Joker. You've got order enforced by Batman. He even goes to China to whip some ass in the Dark Knight." To, to uh to enforce order and then all of a sudden um you know you got harvey dent show up and he's this white knight in shining armor armor and he inspires the city into order so really there's no need for batman and halfway through that movie you have batman or bruce wayne actually deciding he doesn't need to be batman because you actually have harvey dent and then what happens to harvey dent he turns into the representation of both order and anarchy in two-face i think that's a really brilliant um script and i think nolan and and and, uh, and everybody involved in The Dark Knight did a fucking awesome job in saying these are the three characters that embody our message. Um, where it falls apart, of course, is the boat scene where you take your protagonist and your antagonist away from that message. Like, literally those two boats where you had the message of the social responsibility really falls to the people and you have those two boats with the, with the criminals and with the, the citizens, the, you know, the... the the non-criminal citizens on the two different boats and they're kind of taking responsibility for this and that. The, the fact that that scene happens away from Batman and Joker, I think, slows the movie down and takes it away from the drive of the movie, which should always kind of be through your main characters. And they're not in that. I mean, they're not really tied into the outcome of that scene. You know, Joker and Batman could punch the shit out of each other and nothing would happen. Uh, the boats is really where the crux of that movie, that scene was. So that kind of kind of bottoms it out. Uh, so we were talking about Batman, and, and I think one of my students asked me if I think Batman works, and I, I don't know if Batman works if you're adding realism to it. And, and Batman works as Batman, and Bruce Wayne works as Bruce Wayne, but they don't work together. Does that make sense, guys? Um, Bruce Wayne, and John Arcudi said this on my radio show back in college, back in, I mean, this is probably two, 1998, when he said this, 1999, and he said, listen, you've got a guy named Bruce Wayne, and he is, he's Bill Gates. He's wealthy as hell. He could literally use his finances, which is greater than the gross domestic product of most nations. He can take the money he owns, and he can invest it or put it in the police force, or he could basically change the face of world economics to mete out crime. But instead of doing that with his vast resources, he goes out every night and he punches people in the face. That is like being able to think or change things on a macro level, but you actually go out on a micro level and you just at one at a time just start punching criminals. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Why does Bruce Wayne dress up as Batman and meet out crime that way? It's not smart. It's... It's anti-productivity. And if you really want to get rid of crime, it goes against everything. That, I mean, it makes you immediately dumb to, to approach it that way. 
which makes me think that because they coexist, it makes me think that Bruce Wayne has this inherent need to just punch something. He is angry. He is just wanting vengeance on the person who killed his parents, right? Bruce Wayne is an angry, psychotic guy. Yes, he has the means to rid like the city of crime using just his resources, and he doesn't. At the same time, you've got Batman, who does just want to punch people in the face, right? But he's tied to Bruce Wayne, who is his resources. Batman doesn't. Batman wants to punch as many people as possible. He's a whack-a-mole game that he do, that doesn't want to end. And when I think that when the whack-a-mole game ends, Bruce Wayne gets really de- or Batman gets really depressed. And he knows that he has, Batman knows he has to be Bruce Wayne in order to have the resources. He has to be the smart businessman and, and, and capitalist in order to have the resources. Batman needs Bruce Wayne or else he doesn't have the means to which he can punch people in the face with fancy gadgets. Bruce Wayne knows that he needs Batman, otherwise he doesn't get the chance to punch people in the face. It's not a friendly relationship because... They'd be more effective if the other one just didn't exist. They would have all the time the other one eats up that they can go about doing what they want to do. Ridding crime on a financial and macro level or punching people in the face on a micro level. The way in which they both fight crime can't really coexist unless you're a complete psychotic, which is what Batman is. And that is the story I would write if I wrote a Batman story. I'd write a story about how the two of them really don't like the time spent as the other. And you're looking at two people fighting within one person's body. It's really like Banner and the Hulk. Hulk can't stand how puny Banner is. Banner can't stand how out of control and angry the Hulk is. But they're stuck in the same body. That is my take on Batman. That's what I've come to. Spider-Man is still my favorite. Let me know what you guys think about that. Because it's been a couple years in the thinking. This is what I think about Batman. I think it's fascinating. I think it means that some stories really work as Batman stories. And some stories really don't work as Batman stories. Because the man is a contradiction in and of himself. That is the thought for today. I love you guys. Let's Let's keep making these. Let's keep listening to these. If you guys have feedback, Twitter, I'm at Jonathan London. Facebook, you can always look me up, but also search for the Geekscape group and join it. Uh, we're going to have more E3 coming up. And, of course, go to the geekscape.net website, check it out, or email me, jonathan at geekscape.net. I love you guys. Rufus, Texas, they're sitting on the couch next to me. Do you love the Geekscapists? They're asleep. <laughs>